Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. I am Ron Luce, and folks, I was a little nervous tonight because the Cubs won, and uh, unfortunately, our, our great co-host, Mr. Joey Ricotta, uh, got caught up with some stuff, but Mr. Juice Man surprised me uh, back a day early from vacation, so my friend, we get to talk about a Cubs victory, but first off, for starters, how are you and how was your weekend? It's good, man. Tired. Uh, my girlfriend's family has a good amount of children, um, so we were taking them out on the boats, the kayaks, running around all weekend. And uh, my dad's birthday was today, so happy birthday, happy birthday. to Papa Juice. Um, and uh, so we got dinner with him, and then I cruised back a day early um, to listen to the game and to get back uh, for the maybe the South Bend Cubs game tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, a little, little teaser. Might see some uh, Cubs, Cubbies on tap, you know, from the stands action uh, at the South Bend Cubs game tomorrow. Hopefully the weather, you know, holds off because the 50% chance of thunderstorms, and I'm not sitting out there during a thunderstorm, and neither are the players anyway. So, yeah, was excited to get in the car, listen to Pat and Ron on the way in, caught the uh, seventh inning on back here at home, and decided to join you, Ron, because talking Cubs wins – are always fun with you, my friend. That they are, my friend. Glad you had a good weekend. Yes, and a very happy birthday to Papa Juice. Um, good stuff, dude. That's always fun when you got the holiday weekend. But, dude, what's always also fun is to, like you said, talk about Cubs victories. Cubs get a big one tonight, 8-3 to three over the Brewers. Uh, Juice, I, I, I think this is going to be the episode title name once this gets to the podcast. Uh, but we put it in our banner tonight. A good old-fashioned low-stress win, and, I, and then I put kind of. Because uh, at one point in time, it was a little interesting, uh, if we're being honest. Uh, obviously, the bases loaded jam that Matt Schwarmer got into there that Rowan Wick magically got out of. Um, that was probably the highest stress moment of the night. Otherwise, uh, like you got to see Juice uh, or just just miss on the TV, I should say, but listen to uh, with Pat and Ron. Fifth and sixth innings, really good for the Cubbies. They put up seven below the game open. Uh, man, it was just, it was a cool and tough win tonight, dude. But I need to get your thoughts, Juice, on Seiya Suzuki because I had to talk about one of the most exciting baseball plays that I've seen in a long time uh, by myself yesterday. It was a bummer. So I want to get your take because Seiya continued it tonight. Another great night for him, Juice, because he had two hits and three more ribbies tonight after doing the exact, roughly almost the same thing yesterday. Yeah, I. So I, I did mention that I didn't get a chance to watch that home run live. Listening to it on the radio, Ron Coomer and, and Pat Hughes, who do such a good job of painting a picture for you as you're in your car traveling wherever you are. Like we always say, uh, we always give the uh, radio guys some credit, and we also tell you where to listen to them each and every broadcast for each and every game that we do a show. Um, make sure you're catching them over there at 670. But, yeah, uh, Ron Coomer had no idea how Seiya Suzuki was able to keep that ball fair that he hit out. And if you rewatch that pitch, um, like I did when I got back here, because I was curious, I don't know either. Uh, I think it's just a matter of the fact that when this guy is healthy, he's an elite hitting talent and an elite baseball player. They were talking about Seiya Suzuki and, and how much he means in the top of that fifth inning. Um, Actually, that was Zach Zaidman at, Zaidman at that time and, and, uh, and Ron Coomer, as Pat always takes the fifth inning off. 
they were talking about how important he is to this Cubs success. And when he is in the lineup, how different that lineup looks and not even just that, how different the team looks because yeah, say Suzuki does a lot of things, right? He's able to run the bases very well. He's great in right field, a lot better defensively at a young career that he's had in the majors that I thought he would be tremendous arm. He just ends up being that guy that can win you games in a lot of different ways. If it's not his arm, you know, or stealing a bag or, you know, having the inside the park home run last uh, yesterday night or hitting a pitch that I don't think a lot of right-handed hitters could keep fair. You know, I a lot, a lot turn on that and it's 400 feet uh, foul, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was amazing to see him stay. And, and, and Ron Coomer talked about it staying on the inside of the baseball. And I always like listening to hitters like, like Ron Coomer. Cause he, he got a little, he got a little like into the idea of what say Suzuki did mid like series of at bats because the first two at bats for say, I didn't believe he, he had a hit and that third at bat, his whole mindset changed about letting the sinker baller get into the zone and get up in the zone. And then when he was able to do that, was able to take advantage of some pitches that, you know, were not meant to, you know, be in the in the places that they were be, strictly because he was patient, you know, mm-hmm. waiting out the pitcher's pitches and just letting him get in the zone. And I found that very interesting because Seiya Suzuki, right before we jumped on here, I, I caught the um, post game just for a little second. And he talked about that himself, that mid game, he was able to make an adjustment. And I think we're talking about a 26, 27 year old that plays way older than his age. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a guy who understands what pitchers are trying to do to him. And that just like the minute that he's able to communicate with his teammates better, you know, now that he's learning English and, and kind of learning the ways of, you know, the American baseball and society, just in general, just being in America, the um, I think he could, inject more and more information in the younger guys like Morel, like these younger guys who are coming up pretty soon, eventually like, like El Contra who just entered, you know, the top 100 for prospects or sure Brendan did. Davis next year. You know, a lot of these guys uh, that are going to need an older, I want to say that he's old cause he's not, he's very much in the prime of his baseball career are going to need some, some mentoring and, maybe there won't be a better person to do that than say a Suzuki, you know, on this roster at that time, because he may be one of the most longest tenured Cubs after this trade deadline, (laughs) to be be honest with you and going into the next season as well. Um, So he'll be able to, you know, articulate, you know, hitting and, and talk about hitting in a way that I think a lot of these guys will, will love to take in. I'm just so interested on your thoughts on him because he, he clearly was out for the month, but was able to, in my opinion, I think it still get better. You know I mean? From what we've yeah. seen in the small sample sizes, I think that he's done a great job of, of listening on the bench and really kind of taking in, you know, the MLB game from the bench. And maybe that helped him a little bit. Yeah, I really think it did. And, and, and juice, I'm actually just confirming here really quick. Uh, whether I uh, 
I wrote about it or whether I talked about it on yesterday's episode. And I, I think it is going to end up being that I mentioned it on yesterday's show that that was something that I was kind of intrigued by as well, because he came out so quickly in AAA in his three rehab games there and had a lot of success. Yes, he struck out four times, but he was still four for nine uh, with two doubles and a home run. And Alex Cohen, who is the fantastic play-by-play voice of the Iowa Cubs, said he had he, he had one of the hardest hit balls he's ever seen at that level. Like, that's just how elite that he has been. And that was something I was so curious about, Juice, is I wonder if he took time during that month off to mentally adapt to the game in the sense of, like you said, making the adjustments, learning how the pitcher is attacking him and making the necessary change to then attack back and get things done. And you saw it in tonight's game. They had a good game plan for him. They had a good way of pitching to him, you know, in the first two at-bats. And then third at-bat, he changes and has, again, one of the craziest. Like, I couldn't believe that stayed fair. Like, they're, they, he hit it, and he hit it so hard. You're like, oh, my God, he got all of that thing. But it's, like you said, natural reaction. You're like, it's probably foul. And, like, it just kept going and going. And at the very last second that it could have bent foul, it went over the fence and behind the pole. I mean, literally – that ball could have, if that ball misses another foot or probably a little further than that, probably three feet left, it's foul. Like, yeah. I mean, it was the very edge of, of the foul pole. So I I think if Seiya Suzuki learned how to do that in the time off and really work on the mental side of things when he was getting physically right, oh my God, Juice, then that is the Seiya Suzuki that Cubs fans got wicked excited about when he signed. Because that's the type of player that everybody sees and everybody has seen proof of in Japan that he can become. Yeah, and he's a major piece, I think, to attract free agents as well. Because if you're looking at what's going on in terms of the media right now, I know Correa kind of came out and said he wasn't interested in signing with a rebuilding team. Take that at what it is because I do think that there was definitely some monetary interest at that. If the Cubs were able to overpay a little bit, I would imagine he would be in a Cub uniform regardless. Money talks. He's won a World Series already. Yeah. I think Seiya Suzuki may be the most important piece that is on this roster right now because if he is good and other players see that he is the good player, they might want to play with him. And mm-hmm. – they may truly believe because there is a lot of conflicting information that the Cubs are going to be in a longer rebuild. But if say Suzuki works out, you've checked off a major, uh, a major need and not really tied up for a considerable amount of money either. So I think that a lot of teams may look at it as, well, Brendan Davis is going to come back off this back surgery and probably get his chance with the MLB team. If they are able to extend Ian Happ, your outfield is probably set. If you're somebody who plays third or plays you know, first, you're probably looking at this team like, man, our, our infield could be pretty solid in about a year if I come over here and I can play with Seiya Suzuki and Brendan Davis is all that he's, you know, cracked up to be and and Ian Happ is putting together an all-star level season. 
then you're just looking at some pitching prospects and some pitching to kind of work out, which I think most free agents are going to look at the front office with Carter Hawkins and Jed Hoyer as, yeah, I'd imagine they'd be, you know, well off enough to find good pitching, you know, fairly soon. So, and there's a lot of guys in on this roster that are there now, like Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele that are going to be nice arms. And, and Marcus Stroman, obviously when he is back and healthy, that maybe you're a piece or two away. I don't want to sit here and say that like, this is exactly the plan or that this is going to happen. But the point of it all is, is if say Suzuki is good and he's going to be in the middle of your lineup driving in runs, it's just refreshing to think that in one off season, you've got a front of the rotation caliber arm in Marcus Stroman and say a Suzuki, a middle of the order at bat while you're trying to rebuild. And there's still all these prospects coming up. It, it almost becomes like a, a embarrassment of riches, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you have just a massive amount of talent that you're able to pick from and get excited about and get people back to the ballpark. It's just interesting to me to watch, say a play and think in the middle of his, you know, his stint, he was able to do some of this work. How good can he really be with continued at bats for this second half of the season? Like, are we Mm -hmm. even scratching the surface of his potential? Because I truly think that like, there are very few five tool players that fall in your lap. And this kid has every making of a five tool player. And it's funny because you mentioned all those guys I mentioned in the outfield. Every single one of those guys is a potential starter, and that outfield is a five tool player. Ian Happ has all of that. <laughs> Brendan Davis has all of that as well. And Say Suzuki on a very team friendly contract is all of that and more in a lot of ways. He's that patient guy that you want to have out there. It's interesting, man. Like I, everybody's poo-pooing what's what they're doing, and I think it's a lot of upset. There's there's still a lot of people who are upset from the previous ring of these pillars that were traded off. But man, baseball and Cubs baseball, I think in in our eyes, who we sit and we watch all these prospects every day, and we dive so deep into these, I think it's hard for us to ignore the light at the end of the tunnel that very much could be closer than a lot of the, a lot of the fans who don't dive into triple a, you know, we've had plenty mm-hmm. of comments on this show where fans are like, I'm not watching the minor, the minor leagues. Why would I do that? You know, eventually they're going to be up with the team and that's fine. I, I respect that type of baseball mm-hmm. and, and that, that's th- that type of fandom. If you don't want to watch, development i get it but as we sit and we talk about you know these guys it's amazing to me to think that like the 99th prospect who just moved in there kevin Alcantara, mm-hmm. like they're gonna have to find a spot for him you know what I, if they keep Ian Happ and they have say suzuki and brendan davis is everything and more you're gonna have to find a spot for him and the dh is there don't get me wrong you'll be able to find that but man it's exciting you know, to have four guys probably in that top, you know, 100. And then, you know, who who knows how many are in the top 150. You know, that hasn't really been released yet either. So, 
Yeah, man. I, I think it's wins like tonight and, and when you watch, you know, the thing as a whole and you see Seiya Suzuki check off a major check mark, you just have to sit back and be like, Yeah, man, we're we're happy we won tonight. But in the grand scheme of things, the Cubs are winning at so many levels right now. Yeah. Incredibly well said, Juice, because you make so many good points. And and like Jack said in our comments earlier in the show, like he says, they are making things interesting. And they really have been because, fun fact, if they win tomorrow, that's four series in a row that the Cubs have taken. That's pretty good. You know, again, we there there is still so much good with this team. And especially when you, you do start to look forward, like you said, Juice, because, yes, you have Kevin Alcantara and PCA and Brennan Davis and and all these guys in the outfield that could come up. Could you imagine an outfield that let's let's hypothetically say they carry six outfielders because of the DH? Could you imagine an outfield that is Ian Happ, Brennan Davis, Seiya Suzuki, and you are working in Nelson Velasquez, Kevin Alcantara, and Pete Crow Armstrong? Yeah, I mean, we haven't even talked about Christopher Morrell either, who plays center field. No, that, because <laughs> so, you can just move him into the infield who, again. Like who I just saw, and I don't know if it was you who tweeted it. He is in the top five players in baseball, minimal at bats, in hard hit rate. So I mean, it's and or barrel rate, rate and barrel it was rate, barrel rate, it barrel, was rate. barrel rate, and uh, like speed, sprint speed. Yeah, like only so players to be like in a certain percentile that's like elite. In both categories, and it's like Mike Trout. Um, I'm trying to remember who else is up there, but like elite names in baseball, and one yeah. of the five is Christopher Morrell. So yeah, I think I, I think Acuna was up there too, and, yeah. and a couple. I read, I was reading the list too, and I went, man, and then Christopher Morrell, and <laughs> that's that's yeah. fun to see, you know. And and he's a fringe guy, you know what I mean? He's been fantastic, and he's young, yeah. and I hope he continues to ascend. But let's face it. He was a fringe guy. He still is a fringe guy. He's a guy that they we didn't expect to see up at this big league level this soon and having success, and you love to see it. But if, like we always say, if this is the appetizer, like dinner's going to be – I mean, it's like it's going to be Amazing. Gordon Ramsay, like <laughs> Hell's Kitchen level, you know? Like that's – and that's exciting. And I just – I start to get tired of all the negativity that I see. I, you see it too, like – it's just impossible every day to open it up and and people to be yelling at Ricketts. I get it. Like you're tra- you traded away the guys you loved the most. That sucks. It sucked for me too. They won a World Series, but you can't just ignore what's going on at lower levels just because you're upset with the product that's at the ma- at the major league level. And sure, be upset, but the way that you're upset is you just you don't go to games. You know, that's that's the only way that as a fan we can voice our opinion of, of where they're at. But if they go out in this offseason and get Xander Bogarts, yep. and does does your opinion change? Like if they go out and get Xander, Xander Bogarts and then they get another top-of-the-line pitcher, does that make you happy? Like when when are you done yelling – at the at the cloud, you know what I mean? Like like right. the whole like old man yells at cloud thing. Like when when is that over? Mm-hmm. Mike, for me, it's over. It was over the minute that they traded the guys and we started diving into these prospects. I said, We gotta trust Jed. He's been there. He helped bring us a World Series. And then they brought in Carter Hawkins, and I went, Man, that's even better. 
Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's been able to find arms and they had Dan Kantrovitz and you're like, <laughs> sign me up. That's you got three great baseball minds in that front office. Mm-hmm. So when is, when does the page turn when you're seeing say a Suzuki drive in three every night and you're seeing yeah. Christopher Morrell, you know, barrel up baseballs. When does that stop? And that's yeah. just my question to everybody else. Yeah, and I think that's a fair analysis, and it's games like tonight, Juice, that kind of get you in that mood because it's – they didn't even play Christopher Morrell tonight. They didn't have to, and they still scored eight runs. Like, that's fantastic. Like, can you imagine – like, I'm actually going to sit here very, very patiently because, mind you, tonight, Rafael Ortega – Patrick Wisdom and Jan Gomes all had two hits as well, joining Seiya Suzuki at that mark. Nelson Velasquez picked up another hit, as did Ian Happ, as did Nico Horner. So lineup overall, very productive from that standpoint. I want to see a lineup, at least for the next month until the the trade deadline, because, you know, shit's probably going to change. But as much as possible to see, and Sarah, Sarah, uh, Sarah Sanchez, Twitter, she tweeted this as well, and that's what I couldn't agree more. Patrick Wisdom, Nico Horner, Christopher Morell, Seiya Suzuki, Ian Happ, every day, same lineup. Because that, at minimum, is going to be a fun team to watch. Will they win every baseball game? No. no. But that team is going to juice, to your point, start to give you that taste of what the new era of Cubs baseball is probably going to look like. And at least for the immediate future, not maybe, you know, five and six years down the road, but at least for the next two to three years. And I think that's exciting because like you said, I think, I think I almost this, I I almost have to say this, this is kind of maybe, I don't want to say it's a hot take, but it's kind of a bold statement. I think a lot of people just kind of forgot about Seiya Suzuki because he cooled off and had a yeah. little bit of that like adjustment period and then got hurt. Like we haven't heard Seiya's name. I mean, what was his his home run that he hit the inside the parker was what his first since like April 17th or some shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a while and naturally things happen and play like Christopher Morrell hype comes and goes. And you know what I mean? Like the the ebbs and flows that make a season such a magical roller coaster ride through fairy dust and neverland is kind of what took away from like remembering that Seiya Suzuki is a cub and like he is this talented and we've seen some of that for him to, especially for him to come right off the IL too and just get that done um you you've got to got to love something like that um but juice before we totally go ahead and flip the script on tonight's game, big thing that happened uh, is Kyle Hendricks leaving early. This freaking pitching staff is so fucking beat up. Four-fifths of what was supposed to be your opening day starting five are hurt. And yet this, again, and that would, that's what makes this run for the Cubs with, again, I'll bring it back up on the comments on the live show. They win tomorrow. It's four series in a row. They somehow managed to do that with four-fifths of their starting rotation. 80% of what was supposed to be their starting rotation now potentially hurt um, because as 
Scott from Iowa or Scott Crawford indicates here in the comments for us, Hendricks postgame comments. The injury felt exactly like the one that sidelined him last month popped in the first inning Um, because he had noticeable velocity down for those that didn't get to catch the game. Three innings only of work for Hendricks. He looked pretty decent overall. Uh, He did give up the the two earned on the home run, but outside of that, only two hits and, and only two walks and four Ks. But then you have to go to Schwarmer, Wick, and Rucker, and they managed to get two innings each from all three of those guys to get through the game. But now you're like, fuck, this is just – this is when the, the pitching depth gets tested. Um, thankfully, it sounds like Smiley and Stroman are close to being back. Drew Smiley through for uh, the boys down the street from U-Juice, the South Bend Cubs. Uh, mm-hmm. And we saw Stroman in Iowa over the weekend. Hopefully these guys are coming back soon because, like, now we're dipping – your rotation if Hendricks is out for a while and those guys aren't back yet, it's probably Mark Leiter Jr., Adrian Sampson, who we're going to see tomorrow and touch on here in a few minutes, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, and insert name here because Alec Mills is hurt too. It's crazy, man. I mean, you probably – it wouldn't surprise me if you get Caleb Killian maybe another another go. I could see it. Uh, I mean, just just to get him – and it would be that type of start that he pitches against maybe like the Orioles because <laughs> they're on yeah. the schedule soon and it's five innings he gets and just to get him some, even four, just to get him some of that bad taste out of his mouth from his last two, you know, go up there and, and let him, you know, just do what he has to do just so he's able to, you know, feel like he can succeed at this level. Cause I feel like that's good. That's great for a young pitcher to come up and, and to throw some innings and contribute, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, you're right, and it's it just sucks because I feel like, and I'm I know you've echoed this this statement. The Cubs truly all year have never been able to be the team that Jed built for this year. So how are you able to identify it as what it really was? Uh, clearly, clearly, it's probably a very average baseball team, even when healthy. Mm-hmm. But with that said average at least gets you in the conversation of maybe buying for the future, you know, and that's the, who's to say that if Miley and Smiley and, you know, Marcus Stroman weren't healthy all year, where this team looks, you know, it's it like we talk about on the show all the time, starting pitching is so damn important that when you have to go to your sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th depth guys, it's like, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of games because you're not going to get, good performances out of the 4A type of pitchers that we've seen in this rotation over the course of, you know, this last couple of months. I, it just sucks. Cause it's like just when Kyle Hendricks was pitching well, now this happens and, and you start to think for the future, he already doesn't throw hard. Mm-hmm. If there is some popping issue or, or something's wrong with that, that shoulder or forearm or whatever, it could be a very quick, you know, decline of that because he can't lose any more velocity because he, he's already at the bottom. You know, that's the right. that's the bottom of the success rate that, that you'll be able to have in this league before you're getting hit all over. And he's the type of pitcher that needs to pitch like every fifth day because he right. needs to have that feeling of throwing his pitches. And this sounds like it's going to sideline him for – a good amount of time. If that comment that was just put um, by Scott is correct and his post game, 
you know, felt a lot of the same. I'm sure he knows what he's feeling. So it sounds like it's another stint where we're not going to see Kyle for a little bit. So I don't, I don't know, man. And it's, it just, it sucks. Cause I don't want Kyle Hendricks cub career to be, you know, just riddled by injury at the end of it. If this is the end of it, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, because he just has meant so much to this team and to see anybody on a, on a middling team like him is just already sad, but middling on a being on a middling team while injured is even worse. So right. it just sucks. Cause like you said, and, and Joey talked about it, you know, and, and you talked about it as well. He was just throwing so well, the on Gomes that it got you excited again. Cause you know, good Kyle, at the back of a rotation for next year. It's a damn good fourth or fifth pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it just sucks. Hopefully, hopefully what he's not, what he's feeling isn't as bad as it was when he was, you know, out for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something that he can, you know, take some rest and, and maybe go on a short term uh, IL stint and be back soon. And, and we can really see what this team can do when healthy. Yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned just the, the when healthy conversation, right? And if this team was fully healthy and guys playing the way they have, guys like Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, Seah Suzuki, so on and so forth, if you threw Christopher Morell in there maybe earlier, you know, hypotheticals here. But worth noting, the Cubs are 33 and 48, according to the MLB standings, right? That is 10 games out of that last wild card spot. But the 39 and 40, so seven games better, which you could argue with health, this team could very well be seven games better. 39 and 40 is only three games out of that last spot. Like you said, going back to the early topic, they start to at least be interesting. And they start to, to your point, if they do buy, they're probably buying with the future in mind. But there's more likeliness that they're maybe a little more aggressive at ending this rebuild sooner. And because guys are playing to that potential that they try to assemble. And even in the AL, just really quick for S and G, the 38 and 41 Chicago White Sox are only five games out. That's at least striking distance. And and at least this team, you would say, shit, maybe they have a chance to squeak in and just at least make things interesting. And yeah, give you some- Ron, if we sat here for another 10 minutes, we could name we're just thinking while you said that I can name seven games that they should have won. You know what I mean? Oh, There's two of minimum. them in the last two nights that they, they should have won yes. the white Sox game that they went, kept going extras back and forth. They should have won that game. That's I mean, three games alone in the last what three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, we could go, we could go hours going back and, and looking at, they've lost a lot of one run games. They've lost an in extra innings often. You know, it it's kind of crazy to think that yeah, this team is bad, but they're they're like sneaky fun bad. They're they're bad because they get you interested, and then they either blow it in the ninth or they're unable to score in extra innings. Mm-hmm. And like it's those little things that if there aren't so many four A guys on the roster, this is a whole different story. You, sure. you know, and that's just the case of what this season was going to be. Like, let's just say in a hypothetical world that they don't get VR or 
you know, Andrewton Simmons. And it's somebody at a replacement level that maybe wins you or buys you two games. You know, that's two. We just talked about three or four, you know, one run games that they should have won. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the six that you six, seven that you talked about where you're within four games. It's funny, man, like baseball. It, that's why it hurts so bad when you lose very close games that you were winning late. Yeah. Because at the end of the season, you'll count up each and every one of them and go, man, if we just closed those. We're probably playing at some other at somebody's stadium. You know, maybe you're the second wild card, but who knows, man, you'd get in and spin the wheel. Who knows what happens? You know, Madison, I always look at Madison Bumgarner. One guy could pitch you pretty damn far. <laughs> And yeah. he did that for them, you know, two or three seasons where it was like, oh man, Mad Bum's on the on the mound, no one's scoring, and he can win you three games of the series. So I just got to win one more random one with yeah. a full roster, you know. So it's it's kind of it's interesting to think, you know, baseball is so random and it's it's close and the little plays matter. And as the Cubs get older and more experienced. I feel like those win those losses will turn to wins pretty quick. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Juice. This there's there's fun things to watch here with this group indeed. Uh my friend, a, a quick final thought for us on tonight's win before we go ahead and uh look ahead to tomorrow. Fuck Milwaukee. I feel like we never win series against them anymore. Ever since the one game playoff at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. It seems like since then it's been like, man, when do we ever beat these guys in a series? They got really annoying. They're still annoying. Um, and hopefully they can go out tomorrow and win a game. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And uh, we got a little a little taste of something here in the comments juice from our buddy, Mr. Joey Ricotta, uh, joining us in the comments. Uh, his final thoughts up, boys. Uh, I really don't think this team is as far off as people think, Joey. Very much in agreement with us. He says they battle but can't finish most games. Healthy say, Astro, Miley, Smiley all year. Where would this team be? right now and that's exactly what we just talked about that's that weird zen juice of the the cubs on tap crew that we have here uh we all just we sometimes think a lot alike and it just happens that way yeah we're all on the same wavelength we might disagree about certain things and certain topics but we're all on the same wavelength i think with the team overall from a a, uh, majority standpoint and my kind of final thought um juice this just plays off something that you've always said my friend Get rid of the. I, I like that idea of the position player. If he comes in like that, they have to forfeit their at bat at the bottom yeah. of the inning. Very fine with that. Very yeah. fine with that idea. It's a waste uh, even of though, time. Even though Bruso was actually probably one of the better player position player, position players. Yeah, but for every threw. one of him, there's like 80 others that are throwing 40 miles an hour. Doesn't there's I'm, I'm just there's done Angleton, with it. There's Angleton Simmons on the mound. Also, too, yes. like it's eight to two. It's not 13 to three. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like these managers are doing it more and more often now. Yeah. And we don't want to see it. So there's got to be some type of rule in place. There's yeah. got to, they got to figure something I, out. I think, I think there's a chance there, but nonetheless, uh, a great eight to three victory for the Cubbies tonight. Uh, Swarmer was the winning pitcher uh, ultimately, despite um, Kyle starting the game. So we will go ahead and look ahead to tomorrow's game because it is once again the Milwaukee Brewers and Chicago Cubs back in action on Wednesday, July 6th for the series finale at American Family Field in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is a 110, oh 
gotta love it. Central Daylight Time starts. That's 210 for you, Mr. Juice, in the Eastern Time Zone. You can listen to it as always. 670 the score with Pat and Ron. Uh, and for the Brewers, it's WTMJ620. If you happen to be a listener of ours up in the Milwaukee market. Um, and as always, Marquee Sports Network for visual uh, in Valley Sports, Wisconsin, in the Milwaukee market. Uh, as I briefly mentioned earlier in the show, Adrian Sampson is on the bump for the Cubs tomorrow. Uh, technically a 0 0 record, but a pretty decent 338 ERA for him um, so far in his limited time up at the big league level. But on the other side, it is none other than Corbin Burns, who is seven and four on the year with a 236 ERA and 124 strikeouts. Holy shit. Um, talk about a power pitcher. Should be a very interesting one tomorrow because, uh, as our friend Scott mentioned, uh, would be four series in a row if they can sneak a win tomorrow from none other than Corbin Burns. So, Juice, uh, what do you think they need to do tomorrow to do such a thing? David Slay Goliath, right? That's the idea here. Um, hold on for dear life for Burns. Get his pitch count up. Work some counts. Uh, play small ball. All those things. Scratch as many runs as you can because they're, they're going to be hard to come by. And for Samson, just do your best to match him. You know, hold on to that beast while you can and, and get into a game where maybe you could steal it late or uh, – if you're going to get burns, it's going to be early. So you got to bring the bats ready to go. Maybe put up a couple runs and, uh, you know, let the, uh, let the group get together and, uh, and close out a ball game. Um, but yeah, with that said, I, I just go out there and do a lot of what you did tonight. Hopefully uh, say a Suzuki stays hot and uh, we can see a cup victory tomorrow. Cause like I said, feels like it's always been like forever since they've won like a real three game set against the Brewers. In Miller, too, or American Family Ballpark, whatever they call it now. Who cares? It's just Wrigley North who gives a shit. It's Milwaukee and and Wisconsin, and no one gives a shit about it anyway. So, Yeah. I mean, literally, they have on their parking signs that it's more expensive on Cubs and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So – don't get, don't be fooled. We uh, we live rent free and pay the bills up there as uh, as Cubs fans every time the boys venture north. But I agree with you. And Juice, thankfully, this team really good at storing runs early. They are second in Major League Baseball innings one through three. Um, then they teeter off very heavily in four through six and seven through nine. But hey, if you can get to Burns early, get to him early. Uh, I, I think the one big thing too tomorrow is just Samson needs to get some distance. I think this bullpen's a little tired. They can't keep having all these guys pitch two innings on a regular basis. Um, you know, get hopefully Samson can get deep, even if he gets you into the sixth inning. I think that's a successful day. Um, and yeah, you know, just one of those things score some runs early and and then hold on to your butts and see what happens. Um, as they try to lock down a series win. Juice, before we get out of here, do want to remind everybody Cubs on Tap is the official Cubs podcast of the On Tap Sports Network. Go ahead, you can check out. All of our great stuff on tapsportsnet.com at on tap sportsnet on social media, um, pod specific accounts at Cubbies on Tap, C U B B I E S. That's on the Bluebird app and Instagram. I am at Loose on Tap on said Bluebird app. Juice is at Juice on Tap. Our boy, Mr. Joey Ricotta, is at Joey Knows Nothing. Uh, and be sure to follow all of our other great contributors here, uh, such as at Teddy Freddy 270 and at Brandon M. Kane. Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks, we've got it all over at On Tap Sportsnet. Uh, yes, Cubs fans, you know it. They lost tonight. It's okay. But if you have friends that like the Southsiders, go ahead and have them tune in to our boys over at Socks on Tap. They do a great job covering the boys at 35th and Shields. 
once again, ontapsportsnet.com and on tap sports and on social media, the ontap sports network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Juice, it's been a fun one. Uh, Cubs win eight to three, going for the series victory tomorrow with Adrian Sampson on the bump. Uh, it'll be a good one, and hopefully they can beat up Corbin Burns and get a well needed W. My friend, always a pleasure. And uh, what do you say? We get out of here the only way we know how it comes on tap. Fuck the Cardinals. Let's go, Cubs.